He wanted my philosophy of life. Do it to him before he does it to you. Episode 89, and of course, it's me, Gary P, and the prof, Carl Riley. Go Shamrocks! So, we're gonna talk about uh, the Dundalk State Pass games from the past week. Our trips to Sligo coming up on Saturday, and we've got an interview with Keith O'Dwyer to help preview that one. And um, that's a Sligo fan, Keith O'Dwyer. Yeah, Sligo fan, uh, Keith O'Dwyer. Just, just to clarify. And we are still sponsored by the fantastic Camille, who uh, will give you a brilliant match day deal 10 euro for a main and a drink, and the prof. He's even going on his days off now. He's not even going. He's chancing his arm for match day deals on Tuesdays. <laughs> it's still a match day. And he's getting the crispy chilli chicken again. He's going to have to branch out and try the hoisin duck at one stage. So definitely go and check out the match day deal. It is beautiful. And um, yeah, so our, unfortunately our six in a row episode was cancelled again, Prof. Yeah, I think we're just not going to announce our monthly man of shows anymore. And we'll just spring them on you. We'll just... Put because. them out of blue because uh, this was a tough one to get on, on the on the, uh, the wheels moving on this one. But uh, we'll get it going eventually, and you will hear it. It will see the light of day, hopefully. And uh, so we'll move on and we'll talk about the games. The two one loss in Dundalk on Friday. We had six players out. When you think of it like that, it's a lot. It's a lot of players out. Five defenders. Five defenders. Trevor Clark and Lee Gray suspended. Greg Bulger. Ethan Boyle, Sean Cavanagh, and Sam Bone. Cavanagh will be out for several several weeks because of his knee and. If we give, if we have some perspective here, I mean, uh, Dundalk struggled. They lost two in a row, and they had a lot of players out as well. But when you look at that, when you name them again, like Trevor Clark starts, Lee Gray starts, Greg Bulger's probably been my player of the year. Eden Boyle hasn't been playing. Sean Cavan has been brilliant. So that's mm-hmm. four first team players who are not a god given right to start, but they're starting for for mm-hmm. us in our predictions anyway. You're gonna have Trevor left full. You're gonna have Gray centre half. Cabin is going to be in the team no matter what. You can play anywhere, and you've, of course, you've. Um, Our team was patched up with Celtic. tape. What patched up with Celtic tape? Yeah, uh, super performance from a young sixteen-year-old James Furlong, and um, his competitive debut. So, what did you quick quick summary of of his performance? What did you think of him? It was a baptism of fire, obviously, wasn't it? This was a, a talking point on our WhatsApp group, wasn't it? I thought he, he actually impressed. He was tidy on the ball. And if not for a complete lack of protection from Dan Carr in front of him, you probably wouldn't, most people would have been speaking more highly of him in the game than they were. Yeah, I don't think Jurex would be sponsoring Dan anytime soon. <laughs> but the, uh, what, what I will say about the players that have come through our academy are all extremely comfortable and tidy on the ball. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's something that I think is essential that 
and if you look at how they train, and I've said I've said before when we we see Jaden play against Rovers under underage, every one of those kids is fantastic with the ball at his feet. The goalkeepers from from everybody, they're really really good, and that's what training four nights a week does for you. It gets you really good in the ball, and that's what's drummed into them as well is that you have to be able to be good on the ball and deal deal in any situation, and that's that's the case with Forlong. He's excellent, and he's in the seventy in squad if I'm if I'm not mistaken. He'll be playing on. Mm. Friday against Greece in Tata Stadium. Very possibly could be in that squad. That's the opener, yeah. That's the opener. And uh, yeah, so we'd Ronan Finn at right back. Once again, we were discussing this, and uh, Joel Coustrant and Dan Carr were brought in. We were, I, I was saying, McInef could have got the nod. I think you, you put Finn at right back, didn't you? In your prediction? Uh, I think I think I said either Finn or Bulger if he's fit. Yeah. Because when you play them dock, obviously the biggest issue is always Duffy. Who's going to mark him? And Pico did a great job in Tata. Finn, for the most part, did a great job against him in this game. For the goal, he lost him for half a second, and they scored. But same with Pico. I mean, yeah. Pico sometimes we're critical of his marking ability. It was just good movement by Hoban, I think. It was a good movement, Hoban, and um, it was it was a great header. <laughs> Listen but, to our our bench though, Leon Pauls. Alex Dunn. Let, let's actually hold on. Let's let's give a little note on them as well, right? Okay. So Leon Pauls, no competitive games for Rovers. Well, Bray. Bray. Yeah. The D Cup. So no competitive games for Rovers. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Alex Dunn. Alex Dunn, sixteen-year-old Roy Full, no competitive games for Rovers. Been injured for a lot of the season. Yeah, injured. Brandon Cavanagh. Brandon Cavanagh, Wardy Force team, a good player. Who has been excellent the last yeah. two games. Dean Dillon. Dean Dillon, next. <laughs> Thomas Alua. Thomas Lewin, once again, young striker, no competitive debut, no experience in the team at all. One substitute appearance in a cup that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Darren Nugent. You'll have to tell me a bit about him, Prof. I don't even, well, I, I know the name. Product of the Youth Academy. He's been on the bench a couple of times, but I don't know. And Oren Voyage. And Oki. So, jeez, uh, that was, I think we should just move on from the bench. Away um, to the champions, that was our bench. Jesus. We are decimated to say the least. So it's not it's not an excuse, but it is. It's it's what it's what it was. You know what I mean? It was it was a, a depleted squad, and I thought we were good for the first half hour. And we'll, we'll talk about how many hoops travelled. Seven hundred hoops, just shy. And um, how did you go on the Wack Express? Any legends? Half uh, form was on Greatest League in the world. There he was great. Robbie Gaffney was on. He's he's a regular on this. The Gaff was yeah. he. Were you part of the committee? Well, I was, I was sitting behind them, and it was basically uh, Mick McCarthy versus Robbie Gaffney for the whole trip. <laughs> they were taking the piss out of each other. He's still predicting it's going to be mixed last year, and he also took the piss out of Mick's horsey tip, which we all watched lose in the bar. Ah, oh, no. Yeah. So it died a death. Yeah. Still the, running. The wax speeches are getting better and better, Gar. Go on, what did he hit you with this time? I don't know, they're just getting better. I don't know what it's about. We need to get a microphone for you, I think. You need to stand up there with the microphone and be like, we are currently cruising at 120 kilometers per hour. <laughs> Barney has no clothes on. We hope to get them on as soon as possible. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's always a cracker of a bus, the Wack Express, legends and all sorts on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think we have any sort of electrical device that, that can be used on that bus because we barely have doors. Never, never, never mind the ports for for microphones. 
the Windsor Bar, Prof, how'd you get on there? I almost surprised you got let in. I think the only place we got into was a gin bar the last time. Do you remember? Remember that? That was the opening day of 2017. Mm. You and I had to walk the length of the town. Yeah, about a kilometre. We had to walk. But uh, I almost didn't get in here because the barman put his arm across me and like the seven lads behind us and was like, are you here for the match? I can't let you all in. But then we did get in. He He strong-armed you. He didn't strong-arm me, but he just sort of like tried to go across me. But uh, and he went on Carl Curran's list for that girl. Oh yes, Carl has a list. Carl has a list. Not too dissimilar to the list. He's of like, are you? Are you stark? Yeah. His mate Jack decides to take it upon himself to compile this list for the whole journey, <laughs> and uh, it's, quite, it's quite an entertaining list. Have you got any? Have you any entries there? Was well, the GAA are on? I remember that. Can I just give a shout out to Conor Curran, who spoke very well on the greatest yeah. league in the world? Um, Can I also say that uh, Carl Curran's brother Connor spoke very well? On the greatest league in the world yeah, podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's plain and simple and very obvious to see where the uh, budget went in education in the current household. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. Uh, as for Oriel Park, I got the got the posh seats up in the, the terrace. The posh seats yeah. in the terrace. The ones with no loose nails in them. Oh, yeah. The ones that flip down and turn into seats and you can actually sit on them. Yeah. And uh, I met Farky for the first time since Stockholm. Wasn't I tell you I saw him and he looked quite dapper in the 1890s it's in Stockholm? I haven't talked to him since He then. looked quite dapper there the other day. He had this, the jumper and the Guardiola look going on, the short hanging out. And you know what? If you were asking me to predict when I'd run into him, I would have predict, predicted this game. Why? Because he, I always end up seeing him and chatting to him for games that Neil Doyle is ref in. Because he hates him. Yeah. I think he knows him as well, doesn't he? He yeah. knows him. And he must know him because he's part of Jules' yeah. crew. He hates his refereeing abilities, that's I should clarify. Uh, we couldn't actually use Dundalk's new state-of-the-art toilet cabins. Uh, they were guarded by stewards and had a sign on them saying, Toilets not operational yet. No, they weren't. Sorry for any inconvenience They weren't operational. No. They weren't operational, that's what he spelled it. <laughs> oh, right, I didn't even cop that Operational. Operational. <laughs> yeah. Rumour so. was they were afraid we'd wreck them. Or that Barney would uh, burst the hinges <laughs> off the door, <laughs> run now when we score again. Trow down by the anks. Uh, yeah, so um, we'll move on to the actual football now. I thought we started very well in the middle of the park. I thought the middle of the park was uh, a good battle and we we seemed to be overwhelming them at times. And they couldn't deal with us, especially with Jack Bourne. Just the way he can mm. hold on to the ball and evade tackles. It's just a, it's a joy to watch him play. And just the way he drops that shoulder, it's just, he can't get the ball off and he holds on to play so well. The first 20 minutes, I think we were also apprehensive going into the game because of the injuries. I don't think anyone expected us to be playing that well. And considering as well, we went straight for... I mean, I think if you watched, the players had to go and they went to some sort of cryotherapy chambers in, in town just to revitalise themselves and, and get themselves back to, to, to full fitness. Like Because it's look, that, that game took an out of them against balls and then you got a day yeah. less rest. Playing with nine men for over an hour. It's It, it does. It takes it takes its toll on you. So, um, they really took over for the last 15 minutes. They did, didn't they? We were seriously under the cosh. And we were kind of thinking, if you can just get to nil-nil at the break, that's something to hold on to. But let's let let's let's break it down as well as regards to. I mean, we talk about injuries and things like that, and we struggled. But if you take Hoban out of that team, I think they'll struggle big time. If he gets any sort of injury, 
or anything like that. I, I think they're going to struggle massively. Even then, most of his goals are penalties over. Exactly. I think six, it was not six, but somewhere along I think the four lines. out of seven. Yeah, but I mean, that's they will struggle without him because they don't seem to have the goals in them that we have in all over the park. I know McElhaney's a fantastic mm. midfielder. Maybe well, Duffy bench. got two there at the weekend. Yeah, Duffy. Duffy has goals in him as well, but I don't think he's going to be prolific as regards to, to Hoban or Hoban. And uh, the first goal came in the 40th minute and Pico just lost him for a second and diving header from Hoban was a good finish, let's be honest. Yeah, it was a good finish. So does uh, I absolutely despise conceding at this time, Prof. It's the worst time to concede, best time to score. We almost used to have a segment on the show at one stage. Remember a couple of years ago? Oh. We'd always concede from a corner before half time. Before half time. Like it was, it was unlucky. He just lost him for a sec because Pico's been great this year. So, um, then the second goal, uh, our left side uh, was, it was it was under siege. And personally, I thought something should have been done about it before the damage has done for two 0 I thought it was plain and obvious that we needed to make a change and take Dan Carey out there because I there was no protection for a young sixteen year old for long. I think most of us wanted him to get the hook at half time. Yeah, I I think. Well, I'm guessing he was given a bollocking and he was told listen here you go you have 15 minutes to get your finger out and unfortunately they scored again he didn't get the finger out yeah, still the worst firmly part, lodged the worst part was though even after this goal at 2-0 it happened again Yeah, and Gannon just raced past him brilliant wasn't he and Danny was so lackadaisical chasing after him it, was, it wasn't acceptable this is the same Gannon that was overlooked for Correa Gilbert at yeah. Shamrock Rovers yeah. So um, this is basic stuff like tracking back. Yeah, tracking back in the right position, though, no, not centrally, like totally central. If you watch that goal, he's running back like a centre mid. He just he gets totally caught out, and he ends up totally out of position, and we suffered from it. So um, yeah, not, certainly young Forlong isn't to blame there. Um, and actually, you can go back to even to Derry game. I think it was uh, Tohi was pointing us out. That Danny let the, the fullback go by him twice, and Jack Byrne actually had to scream at him to point it out to him. He said, "Listen, so this had this had roots." This yeah, problem. ah, there is roots there. He can't he can't defend. He's it's not his mm. game. Um, the chance I mentioned there, by the way, Manus actually made a great save from Duffy that oh, kept it a two nil. Save down to his left. Yeah, great save. Um, yeah, so uh, I think was a game over after this I mean I, I, I felt totally disheartened when, when the second went in but Oki came on and a superb cracker of a fucking assist outside of the boot oh, straight into Oki's path and Oki one touch and I mean super super finish let's be honest excellent yeah, finish great pass great finish but wasn't the best part about this goal again what was the best part probably? the best part was the Dundalk player was it Dan Cleary I think it was I think he wild swipe no he just dived on the ground, two yards away from Oki, out of pure desperation, looking for a foul. And then as Oki's finishing, you can just see the photograph, and he's just watching it go in, <laughs> the worm's eye view. Uh, so Actually, it was hilarious how pathetic it was. Uh, yeah, he was totally caught out there. Um, I think we possibly dodged a bullet there. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so Dan clearly left the worms. The worms eye view. I like that. Is that is that an actual term? I don't know. I got it on Twitter. Yeah, I like that yeah. worms eye view. Um, yeah. So two one, and then um, well, we went for it then. <clears throat> we but we were kind of wondering why didn't we go for it before then? 
It was kind of too little too late. Did, they, did they believe they could do it? To be honest, I didn't. Like, going into that second half, I can't remember the last time I was so... Uh, yeah, what did you say to me 2017 hoops? Yeah. I... I didn't think we had any chance to get back to that game. I was, um, I was. It's because of the bench. It was normally you look to someone like, oh, we could bring on Joel and he'll make an impact or blah blah blah. It was just, no, yeah, Oki came on and scored, so that kind of contradicts what I'm saying. But when I looked at the bench, I saw nothing that would close back from. Yeah, one, I was one confident. Or two nil. Even going into the game, like pre-game, I wasn't confident at all, and I was getting slack from our. Um, I was getting grief from our, our resident. Huge head, uh, Jimmy, and he was saying you should always go to games wanting to win. He said we always do, but we are being realistic at this stage. And uh, yeah, so that was it. Nobody was too disheartened. I mean, we had a great start to April. Let's be honest, we we won a lot of games that we thought we might have got draws out of. We lost. We dropped points. We're still in it. Still top of the league, and it's a uh, it's early. It's early days. You can't look at those games individually, Bows and Dundalk. They're they're totally linked. I think so as well. I'd agree, and the a lot of people would say that's an excuse, but I don't think it is. I think they're definitely, they definitely are linked. I mean, once again, it was a handicap for the Bows game. We're, the game was ruined once again by bad refereeing, and then we're going into the Dundalk game. We might as well have had nine men. I mean, the suspensions and the injuries—it just it ravaged us. So those two games, McLaughlin's decisions were worth six points there. That's but, how devastating they were. Well, listen, he got a promotion, so. Oh yeah, he has a nice under seventeens tournament to look <laughs> forward to now. And so much for my stack there about going outside Dublin. I know. And I was winning. One of the lads mentioned that he says the prof, the lucky charm is is hitting. Oriel would be grand. Some of the farm was mm. saying to me so. And uh, conceding two goals in one game. I think I put it in the chat. When's the last time? It was only the second time we conceded two goals in any competitive match okay. since Tomer left the club. <laughs> what last, is that? Last June. What is that? Was that the 4-2? No, it was the dead rubber in Sligo. The dead rubber, yeah, 2 now. So it's essentially the only game because that, wow. who cares about that game? Um, yeah, so she's what a stat. Also, that was only the second time this season that we had been behind in any match with 11 men. Second time, so... The other time was Waterford and opening day. Yeah. And the other two were Bowes with 10 and 9 men. So it's it's pretty much going to be down to us and, and Dundalk at the end of the season, I reckon. I think Bowes are going to have the steam. They're not going to hold up. Although, we'll talk about them in a while. I think um, it is time now, Gary, to take Bowes seriously. I'm yeah, afraid. I think so. That yeah. win in Derry was very, very impressive. And if you look, our goal like, was against Pats was, was fantastic the look at their goal against Derry up there the the Mandrew is that how we pronounce it Mandrew that was a super goal as well so um, St Kevin's are starting to they have to take them seriously now they have a bit of a Waterford last season feel though Bowes remember how great Waterford were in the first yeah, half yeah, of the season yeah. they'll totally run out of steam we know that but listen they know that as well they know they're not title contenders they know they're like, like we said before they're happy to be mid-table once they exist this is the highlight of their season now that they have some sort of uh, title challenge at the fourth series, a second series going. They know they're going to run out of steam. They're enjoying it while they can because they're just a, a mid-table team now. That's that's as as they label themselves as well. You know, that's one of the one of their uh, officials has said. We'll move on to results. The um, 
26th of April we have Sligo Rovers 1 Finn Harps 1 Sean Boyd scored Sean Boyd scored there Saint Sligo Pats. needed a last minute penalty there yeah, Harps was, almost got their first win of the season um, yeah they're, they're starting to really struggle big time uh, big shout out to Ozzy Ney who brought Finn Harps fan to uh, the Pats game where we, we're going to try and have a section called LOI Conversion where <laughs> anyone that brings a relative from a different club, we're going to try and convert them and strip them of their their clubs' colours and convert them to Rovers. So uh, he was he was very welcome in the south stand. Pats two, UCD nil. Uh, we Derry two, Cork nil, and Bowes nil, Waterford nil. So uh, yeah, those were the results on the Friday. We haven't actually talked about this on the show yet, Gert. Saint Pats getting into Europe. I know Winston touched on this a bit. He said he didn't blame them for. Sending that letter to the FBI. I'd have done it in a harpy. I think any club would have. I'd have snitched the fuck out of everyone on that one. Big time. Why, why not? Think about it. If you have a financial gain to make in football, which is cutthroat, and one team hasn't got their laces tied as regards to pulling their socks up and all these these bad uh, <laughs> references here. Clichés. Clichés. And if you haven't got that your, your house in order as regards to that, I'm all over that. Like, think about it. If you were sitting here now, and let's say we didn't get to Europe, and you knew, right, Pats can be fucked out of Europe because of something that they didn't do, you're going to write that letter, and you're going to want to take their place. It's, it's cutthroat. Yeah. That's the way it is. Having said that, apparently it didn't actually factor in the decision because I think this, this had been ongoing for months. Pats only wrote the letter the day before the decision was handed down. I think the most significant thing was this happened a week after the John Delaney scandal. To me, that's the most important Ooh, part of all this. Go I on, think what's Water- your take on that? Waterford were totally relying on John Delaney to smooth this over <laughs> I'd say... 100%. I, I can only imagine John Delaney's phone with all the missed calls from, from Lee Power. Is it Lee Power, I think? I think yeah. the, he's just like, yeah, I'm not answering this. Look, look at the timing of John. it. John! Look at the timing. Yeah, good show, prop. And um, also... Because uh, we always love a chance to get the boot in the bows here. Bows only finished two points behind Pats last season, and they conceded a last-minute goal on the last day to Dundalk. If they hadn't conceded that goal, they'd be, they'd they be would Europe. be in Europe. <laughs> Let's stick the boot in when we can. Um, yeah, but now it's uh, Europe's not not cool. You know they don't have poets and choirs in in, in Europe. <laughs> So it's it's not quite bohemian or crusty enough. They're happy enough with the the, the choir session and in, in, in the Jody. Uh, Tommy Tommy asked us this on Twitter a while back. How do you think our style of play will go in Europe? I think we're gonna get through the first round. I think uh, our, I think it'd be I think we very well received in Europe as regards to our passing ability and the way we can open teams up. I don't think they'll expect us. I think any team will expect us to come out and play like that. And um, the way we try and we try and strangle the midfield, I think it'll go down very well. I think it'll go down a tree. I think Brazzer will try and play the same way we did. You have a, to, a way to Brazzer's brazen. Brazzer will uh, go out and AAK. play. Yeah, Brazzer will do that. I hundred percent believe that Brazzer will go out and try and win the toy. And we have better players than we did last year. We mm-hmm. have McIniff and we have Byrne, who he could really shine in these games. Oh, it'd be great to see Bourne get man in the matcher and really, really stroke the ball around in Europe. It'd be excellent. And I mean, he's done it. He did it for a season in Cambor, where there was, there was rave reviews about him mm. when he was in Holland on loan. So um, 
yeah, I can't wait for it. I'm really, really looking forward to the draw. Uh, so we move on. We beat St. Pat's 1-0 at home on Monday night. Trevor Clark and Lee Grace were back from suspension. And Greg Bulger was back. Late fitness test. And Ethan Boyle was on the bench. And uh, Brandon Kavanagh made his first league start of the season. And yeah, So Pico was uh, right back again. Yep. Trevor left back. A lot of people point out that Trevor hasn't been great the last two or three games because he's not willing to take on the fullback as much. And was, he keeps turning there back. There was one game he was really, really good where he was bombing on and taking on the fullback, and that was. Was it Pats or was it Cork? Terrorised someone in Tala. Anyway, it was one or two games. It was back. one of the away games. Yeah, he was excellent. And he hasn't been like that since, and he's really hesitant in this game. We just kept throwing him back where he had the run of the guy. I mean, all he had to do was beat him, got by him, whip one in, he's getting the corner. He's he was up against f- Simon Madden, who was very experienced, but I think yeah. he only actually tried to go past didn't, him maybe didn't once try him. or yeah, twice. Yeah, definitely. He didn't actually challenge him that often. He kept throwing him back. and, and maybe, But then again, he could have been... Maybe that's what the plan was, to, to throw him back and give it to Jack and work in from there, you know? Maybe he wasn't trying to whip balls in. Hmm. Um, Actually, someone asked, I think, on the forum... Whip balls into who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we Borky in the suite as well, and uh, he rejected my advances. Did you get the selfie now? Of a three-year contract, 40 grand a week, <laughs> trying to get him back in. Uh, didn't get the selfie, didn't get the selfie. So, uh, great crowd from them. Ah, yeah, it's, not, sure, they're, it's their cup final. <laughs> not too far off of balls, bro, is it? I mean, the they, massive they filled out they, over a third of the ground. Easily 800. The stand. Yeah, easily 800. And um, total attendance was uh, 3,900. Great stuff for a Monday night. I mean, Monday night, the kids were back in school after Easter. The excuses were all there for a smaller crowd. It's great to see all the little mobs from Tala, isn't it? Running around the East End, I mean, the, mm-hmm. or sorry, the South Stand. It's, um, I'm, I'm happy enough with that. People are giving out about it, but I'm not. I'm happy. I want to see the kids there. Well, you'd be giving out if they weren't. The seats were empty. Mm-hmm. It's money in the coffers and it's potential future fans that could stick around like I said before if 250 of those kids out of a thousand go regularly if 100 out of 250 go regularly that's what you want you want these fans we want roots and talent I agree if they stop showing Lucas A balls on the pitch <laughs> yeah that was yeah we'll knock that in the head eventually and they stop soaking you with water or coke or whatever <laughs> whatever first and foremost whatever liquid or bodily fluid was thrown at you Um. Philly Richardson said it was like being in Funky Monkeys and done drum with all the kids. Uh, yeah, and, and then at one stage, <laughs> there was a water fight going on. And someone was like, me ma said I can't get wet. That old <laughs> classic. Also, uh, whoever has stolen Darren Glenn's phone, please stop making positive posts on Facebook, impersonating him, and return it to him immediately. If you think about the think about the the contrast in his posts. We should probably read out one. You mean the impersonator's post? <laughs> we should probably read out his most negative and his most positive and say, this is the same person. <laughs> it's actually the same person. And then give a timeline between how far the posts were between them. Uh, so, um, I thought Pats started well. First 10, 15 minutes. Trying to stroke the ball. I think they started with three at the back. Two wingbacks. Uh, Simon Madden and Bermo. And I thought Kieran Kelly was very good for them. Said the half. Carl Cairns pointed him out to me. He said, keep an eye on him. He's very good. And he was. He played well. Other than that, they were they were probably one of the worst Pats teams I've seen in years. I can't really remember anyone before Bucco. 
No real signs of the Bray Wanderers on their Harry Kenny style. No, so not at all. I will, I will commend them for playing two up top in Tallis Stadium. Mm. Played Shawzi and he played Drenna. So it was a it was a brave move, but they just they didn't play the football. They didn't get down and play. Um, our chances we had uh, nothing. We didn't really carve them open. There was one for Grace where Finn chipped it into him. And he oh, had, there was a lot of power on it, wasn't there? Way off target, yeah. A lot of power on that header. Um, other than that, we didn't really create anything. We had a lot of possession. Nothing, nothing to speak of. But then the game was uh, set on fire by Brandon Kavanagh on 34 minutes and a fantastic bit of play with him and Finn. This was great football. This was, this was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was... Started with the throw-in into Aaron Green. On the Aaron left. Green is central to all of these attacks, if you've ever noticed. I swear to God, if you look back at 7 or seven of our last eight goals maybe I bet you they started with the ball going into Aaron Green's feet and laying it off yeah that's what it is Green, there's no one like him in the league as regards to that like every time ball to feet he has the awareness to hold it up his distribution is good and he just lays it up and then he's back in again he's looking for the the next ball but it, obviously it, it doesn't I it doesn't get to him that often he was actually giving out that it wasn't playing back to him but then when he saw what happened he was like oh, was all right, yeah, right, that, that yeah, was, that's great that, that was actually yeah. a nice goal yeah, but super finish by Brando or by Finner and I loved I loved the way he positioned himself because he readied himself to put it in the corner Clark dived to wrong foot him and then he just slotted it in the bottom right and it was beautiful a lovely one too is the Brando and Finn. Beautiful, very, very unselfish from young Brando, and he has that in him. He's that type of um, luxury player. But what I will say is, he's gonna get himself hurt if he keeps pulling out tackles, and he did it twice in the first half. Mm. And I think he might have caused a goal recently enough by pulling out, but it's something that you you can't do in football. And I think Joey had a war with him as well in the game where he pulled out of a tackle. But if you keep pulling out, you're gonna get hurt, and that's the last thing we want with the guy. Two assists in two games for him. Yeah, super assist in the top one, and just as good. So a lovely sideful finish by Finn past Brendan Clark, who was later named man of the match. Was he given uh, the the rascals man of the match the most the unhappiest man of the match awards <laughs> of all time? Saw Shazzy's one. I was going to text him and say, listen, it doesn't even go to a poll anymore. They just, they just hand him the award. Yeah, that's not going on the mantelpiece. Um, yeah, so the Pico chance second half uh, open goal Pico. Really should have should have buried it. Um, put similar, the ga- similar to Grace, like it went wildly off target. Yeah. It's a shame we're not testing the keeper there. Yeah, we should be putting the game to bed at this stage. Um, I mean, it, it was a free header, you know what I mean? It was it was wild. So unfortunate. Any other chances? Really? Uh, it was a poor game of football. Let's be honest. But scrappy one 0 win. We'll take that all day. Well, there was a chance where Green teed up Danny Carr. He came off the bench and Carr just snatched at it. Yeah, and it went way over the bar. Uh, we had a corner. His right foot as well, wasn't he? he? Had a right foot, the one that went 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 miles over. That's the one. Yeah, mean, yeah. the right foot. Yeah. We had a corner as well that none of our players actually got a touch on, but somehow it ricocheted onto the post off a past player. <laughs> but uh, other than that, poor yeah, it was poor game of football. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, Pat's crowd, as many as them as there were, very subdued, weren't they? Not much out of them. Is it because of where we're situated, or, or it's it, it, it's that could be possible? But like, I don't want to be too unbiased here. It could be. We could I mean, be. I could hear the Bowes fans plenty of times in that mm. game. They were loud. Other other times, we outsang them. But what's this what whole class? What's the crack with them adopting uh, random Irish folk songs? I mean, what's your opinion on that? 
of them taking in the likes of the the, the old triangle and I mean as cringy as us singing build me up buttercup do people think that I'm not too sure what to think of it I mean where's the where's the connection there like what's the connection between them and the old triangle like that's what I want to know it's just a random tune it's just something random they sing I don't know so that's something they're singing lately isn't yeah it? they're singing the old triangle lately that's they learned it in choir practice that's actually a real sentence in the marching band they learned it in choir marching band um, band practice this one time so yeah that's pretty much it uh, Jack was subbed in 85 minutes I think it was the right thing to do because uh, there was starting to turn into a bit of a kicker match and Jacko was on a yellow he sprinted off He's, I've never seen someone get off the pitch so fast I've never seen someone run off the pitch so fast he and literally sprinted like and funny enough I had just before the game I had looked up who was our most sold player who's been withdrawn the most yeah. and uh, Jack was on 7 so that seven. was so that was 8 then after this one so I think you and I and a couple of lads were actually looking over at him on the bench yeah to see how he would feel about it the second and I then, saw him sprinting I thought yeah. he's not happy yeah so you just see him in the dugout and then you just from the dugout you just see a shirt going <laughs> onto the pitch then there's another tracksuit top boots bottles then a water bottle everything you just see things being launched from the dugout <laughs> it was like a scene in a, in a movie where you can just something like a, like when a woman's getting ready and you can just see clothes coming out of wardrobe <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was just trying so a bit of a strap I would say yeah toys were being thrown out of the pram yeah I'm, do you know what I think it's allowed as regards to being pulled off the pitch because he wants to be on it he's not happy being subbed but wants was, to stay on wants to so late in the game though yeah but listen I'll, I'll put it off as a competitive strop we'll call it that and those are allowed every so often for certain players <laughs> I don't think it was on the error mark though like, there's four minutes left in the game or something but uh, yeah no so good performances once again Aaron McInef I think he's probably one of the fittest players I've ever seen he must be just he, he's doing I'd say 12k a game he does so much running so much dirty work and it's great to have Greg Bulger back again who I don't think yeah. was fit but he did a great job he's getting stuck in there you can see why we missed him mm. especially against Balls uh, there's a couple of play- yeah no there's Ronan, some- Ronan Finn was excellent Ronan Finn once again that's it's it's probably harsh on him to say McInef is the fittest because that guy gets us so far up the field with his pressing game and the way he plays he's I think the role he's in now is the one that suits the most. He's excellent where he is. and Also, who stood out again was uh, Cellini O'Brien. Cellini as, uh, O'Brien. Robbie Listen, Daphne calls him. Do you know what? That's a great show. <laughs> he is... Whenever he gets the ball, I'm just thinking, this guy is going to hold on to possession. I love the way he advances with it as well. He's not got that much pace, but he's so much composure and confidence on the ball. And he's just such a level-headed, well... Like the knowledge in his mind of football is just excellent. He's such an asset to the team, and he's this is guy playing at right full. And uh, if you've noticed, he doesn't advance like a normal fullback. He goes central. Yeah. He doesn't go out wide because he knows he knows he hasn't got the pace. He knows so he goes central, and that's where all of our players mostly are because we've eight midfielders. So he goes central. He knows Jack's gonna pick it up. He knows he knows one of the midfielders gonna pick it up. But can I say that? Yeah, so how good how good are is Jack Bourne and Greg Bulger together? Because whenever Greg gets it, the second he gets that ball, it's straight into Jack. Quickly. Our passing game 
if you, if you noticed, it suffered in Dundalk because we were quite we were quite lumbersome. We we were a little bit slow in getting the ball around in Dundalk. Kind of happened like that at the start of the game in Pats, but when Greg Bulger gets on it, he just gives it straight away. Gives the Jack Bourne, and then Jack Bourne makes the magic happen. And when yeah. the two of them play together, I think it's it's a fantastic combination. Something that we haven't really talked about, and, and no one's really noticed. But um, yeah, so did you think any of them looked tired, Prof? There uh, was some tired legs out there, wasn't it? It looked like it in the second half, yeah. Trev I mean, looked looked fucking knackered, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, five games in 15 days, that's going to take us toll on you. Yeah. Plus, I think last season, the games kind of fell in their favour where you might have like a Limerick or a Bray on the Friday and you could afford to rest a few players. This wasn't the case. Like We had balls, Dundalk, Pats in less than a week. There's no resting players are rotating in those games. Yeah. And we had injuries and suspensions. You just got to get through them, don't you? Just got to slog through it. So we had to play the same players pretty much every game. Yeah. But I think, what well, I think we do need to strengthen. I think, it, I think our charge, our title charge depends on who we bring in next. Mm. Because I showed if we are stretched again, we will struggle with regards to suspension. Now, that was unfortunate with the suspensions. That was just a, a once-off, hopefully... As regards to refereeing decisions that, that did screw us for the Dundalk game but I think we do need to strengthen in the coming months or weeks so there we are having played Friday Tuesday Friday Monday and then unless we reach the FBI Cup semi-finals there will be like a period in late September where we'll just have no game for two weeks and then again a game and then no game for two weeks Dude, and we'll geez. think back to April and we're like why do we do this again and no, so there's no game next week either so uh, a well deserved rest hopefully and three points on the back of it on, on Saturday so, uh, we're going to Sligo on Saturday so I saw a Sligo fan making the point that they'd played already half their home games this season that was the same last season with them That's, yeah weird they, yeah why like, I mean, where's your, where's your uh, revenue going to come from and then the same guy was tweeting that he laid out how many gap week gap days there are in between the games. There's one gap of 42 days. And there's like three more incidents coming up of month-long ga- gaps without a home game. It's mad. Crazy, crazy. How do you how do you sustain like how do you keep a club going with no income from from attendances or like it's, it must be a struggle. Just no, it doesn't feel like a football club. We've no home game for how long? It's crazy. But let's go on to uh, Manus, the Manus save. Now, <laughs> Grace committed. I have to say, he was in the pasture seat at my cash coy when I went out to go to work. He nearly slid that far into the car park. <laughs> he was gone. He totally committed. And he was, he was nearly in the south stand. And what a save, my man. I haven't even seen it on telly yet. I haven't seen it on any, any sort of replay, but well, it looked fingertip. Do you know what? The, the TV doesn't do this justice because of the angle. It looks like, because they, they caught a snapping from the quick free kick. Bolger yeah. was arguing with the ref, and then the ball was already played in behind him before mm-hmm. he knew it. And as you say, Grace, Grace slid in. And like from behind, this shot is being lashed into the top corner. 
It was some pace on it, wasn't it? And man is tip star. If you watch it on TV, it looks like it's just hit straight at him, kind yeah. of. Yeah. So it doesn't do it justice. Oh, man, there are angle in the south stand. We were behind like, this goal. Swear to God, the second he slid into my cash guy, I, I was looking at it thinking, that is going to get buried. Absolutely buried. One-on-one. The angle is perfect for a right footer. He's going to score it into the top corner. What a save from where we were anyway. But I'm really interested to see what it looks like in the highlights. And we should mention... Shorty before that and just made another save which he made look easy it was a header that I actually thought was going to just drop into the bottom corner of the net oh he it was it was kind of like a slow motion yeah. camera save to the left yeah. yeah that was really cool as well uh, yeah so really important win scrappy dirty meldy 1-0 win on a horrible night and we'll take that all day that was a really important win really important like win to bounce back from, from a, a hard week a hard yeah. week had to get that win. The yeah. score didn't matter at all. That had finished one all. If one of those chances had gone in, because if you look at this time last year, when we lost to Bowes and Bray in quick succession, what happened the following week? We drew one all at home to Limerick. Mm-hmm. And they hit us with a late goal, and then the bad run just kept going. Yeah, so definitely a great, great three points on, like I said, a horrible night in a Dublin derby, the Lewis derby. Mm. And um, like we were thinking, we all knew a blip would come eventually. But the blip, I'm glad the blip has happened with a reason attached to it. Yeah. Bad refereeing decisions and a decimated squad up in Dundalk. So I will say that Dundalk were very good. They did. They are looking. They're starting the motor on now. Was a little bit ominous and a little bit worrying, but um, I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy enough the way we're playing that I think we can still. Match them till the end of the season. We weren't going to keep winning forever, so we kind of need to look at the the bigger picture now. If we could get into the break at the top of the table, that'd be massive. Huge, huge. So, um, and the dock have Waterford and Derry away coming up, so big chance to kind of get ahead again. Maybe nick a few more points ahead. Yeah, of them, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just back and forth, isn't it? Um, yeah so like you said really important win and we'll move on to some other results on the Monday we Cork won Finn Harps won um, Finn Harps equalising late on the game so it could be the end of John Caulfield's tenure at Turner's Cross it actually is over it was announced today it's announced today yeah. officially so has he walked or has he been sacked they just use the old party company line yeah that's it so here John listen do you want to get sacked or do you want to walk away with some dignity okay I'll just walk away it's pretty much I'd say that's the conversation in the boardroom we can sack you or you can walk, John. Pick. His post-match interviews were just getting, like, he was blaming everybody. I knew he was gone after we beat him up there because he, I think he, had, he, think he shook Brad's hand 10 minutes for half-time. Or for the end. Half-time for, okay. the, for the end. And, you know, that's admitting defeat, you know. So, um, yeah, Derry nil. Uh, Cora boys, Athletic 2. Good performance from them, let's be honest, on a Monday. And uh, as someone, I think they brought 17 fans up to Derry, so great, great shout on a Monday night. Mm. Sure, there's work in the morning though, Prof. How could you travel? Well, that's more than they brought to Minsk. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not mention, mention the war. Uh, yeah, with UCD nil, Slugger Rovers 2, and we had Waterford nil, Dundalk 3, so uh, Dundalk spanking Waterford on their own patch. 971 people at that game. <sighs> So fickle, isn't it? So fickle. So, uh, oh, under a thousand. Wow, that's really bad. Um, yeah, so the love-ins on the LOA forums at the moment. Prof, tell us a bit about this. 
a bit. Well, I'll leave it to you, but it's uh, if I was to sum it up in two words, it'd be vomit-inducing. For what? What's the what's loving about? T- tell me. Dundalk and Bowes fans just complimenting each other. Oh yeah, yeah. This this carry on, yeah. No, normally the hate. Now I'm I surprised say. considering the grief I get you off you for for browsing these LOI forums. I'm I'm surprised you're casting an eye on it. No, no, no. The, lad, the lads are putting the screenshots. Ah, yeah. Otherwise, ah, I wouldn't yeah. know about these things. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's a, It is vomit inducing. Uh, no, I don't pay any heed to it at all. Those um, there's no crack on those banter pages or anything like that. There used to be a bit of crack on it now. It's just no, no one bothers. <clears throat> so, as Maloney says, every club in the league now bar UCD and Harps see us as a rival. That's a great show. And people might think that's um, our ego is inflated there, but that is the case. And it, we've we've been told that by plenty and numerous ex ex pros who have said it to us that everybody ups their game when it comes to Rovers just want to beat us. So the hatred is real. Yeah, our underage results from the weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bit of crack coming up here, prof. So we had the under 19s in Galway, a Thomas Olua hat trick, and one from Andy Spain. Thomas Olua looks like a real prospect. And uh, we could see him in the fourth team soon enough. Our 17s beat Galway 3 1 at the Roadstone with goals from Cole O'Marchioman and Nathan and Yanwu and Michael Leddy. You're getting better at that. So our 15s won 4 0 in Wexford. This one was on Sunday. Michael Leddy got one. Two for John Ryan and Roland Olakanye. And that's a busy weekend for Michael Leddy. Very busy. Gonna have to keep an eye on this fella. Two Sorry. games, two games. Two, different age two games, two days, three goals. So big one for Mick. And we have the Tortians, they beat Wexford 9 1 at Roadstone. A uh, bit one sided. So we're not even going to name all the goal scorers there. <laughs> I don't have time. I don't think I've even know them. Uh, so all the next games are down for Saturday, 11th of May. 19th host Cove Ramblers to Roadstone, 4 pm. 17th travel to Cove for a 2 o'clock kickoff. And the 15th play UCD at Roadstone, 6 pm kickoff. The Tortians our way to UCD and that is 2 o'clock so that is your roadstone schedule for your underage fix for the weekend and we have the European Under 17 Championships they begin on Friday so we lose James Furlong for a couple of weeks it's being held in Ireland the opener is in Tala the final will be as well Rovers season ticket host game free tickets right up until the semi-final stage you get them on Ticketmaster as well um, definitely a good occasion see, see these young guys they're a really good team Gavin Bazzuno in the squad as well Gavin Bazunas in the squad yeah so uh, definitely looking forward to it and um, yeah so next up we have the prof he was in with Sligo fan Keith Otoir. Uh so Keith Sligo on a decent run at the moment only one defeat in your last six impressive wins over Dundalk and UCD in that time yeah it's, it's been a good turnaround in form uh, and I think going into the season there was a, a lot of optimism especially with a manager like Liam Buckley coming in and you know there was some concern about, uh, among supporters that we might be dragged into the relegation battle but it was also going to take him a few games to settle in but really the last few weeks we've seen him kind of tighten up in terms of the system that he wants to play he's been able to cope without the absence of key players we had Ronan Murray suspended Kyle Callum McFadden he had been out injured as well and as you said we've got some key results beating Dundalk at home uh, provided a real boost to kind of supporters in terms of belief in the team but also just as valuable as going to Turner's Cross and getting the draw but for me the key results were we didn't lose against Finn Harris in the showgrounds we didn't play it particularly well but we got out of jail by getting the point and then on going on Monday going to the 
Belfield Bowl, which has never been the happiest of venues. It's very much like the Palace Stadium and, uh, for Sly Orbs in terms of difficulty in getting a result. But we went there and won 2-0. So if you look at the mini battle at the bottom of the table, we've beaten UCD twice. We've drawn once at uh, Finn Harps and then beaten Finn Harps. We're starting to put a little bit of distance between ourselves and the bottom two. And I think the feeling now amongst supporters and the players and staff is that we can start to look a little bit upwards the table again, pulling more uh, up into the table, especially with Cork being down there on Waterford as well. So it looks like this season we're going to start to see the club progress a bit on the last couple of years, which have been relegation battles. And hopefully now we can get a, a bit more uh, stability and uh, a bit more comfort as regards our Premier Division status. And Buckley was known for playing really good football, saying Pat, so what do you make of his style of play so far? I think he's trying to impose a similar style now. He hasn't nailed the formation yet, Carl. He's been tried, you know, different games. We've gone 4-4-2, we've had 4-3-3, we've had 3-5-2. Uh, against UCD, we were a little bit more comfortable and aligned with the formation that we used to use a lot under Paul, Paul Cook with the 4-4-1-1. Ronan Cockham was playing in behind Romeo Parks. You could see he's certainly trying to get the wingers going. He hasn't. I don't think we've really got the full depth in squad yet with a real quality right wing in Chris Twardek. Maybe a little bit short in the left. You've seen a left back out there in Regan Donlan. And Regan Donlan did very well against UCD, but it's hard to know how he might do against the top teams. And we're probably still lacking um, a creative midfielder uh, at St. Pat's. You know, he always had a good quality supply line of midfielders like Chris Forrester was there, Greg Boulder, people like that. We probably don't have that at Sligo Oves yet, that real creative midfielder and put their foot in the ball and could he kind of implement the style that Liam Buckley would want to see. But you can see from the centre-halves and from the keeper that the emphasis now is more on kind of trying to play it out and look for the opportunities. We're probably still missing that one or two key personnel and you know, first line of supporters, we were spoiled at one stage when you had the likes of Richie Ryan and Joe Spindle there. But players like that are very, very hard to find. If we get that creative midfielder, if one becomes available in July, I think yeah, you'll start to see more of that Bucky style. But certainly, it's an improvement in what we've seen in the past couple of years, Kat. And what about in terms of putting the ball on the net? You brought in uh, Ronan Murray. He's still looking for his first goal. And you mentioned Romeo Parks, a Jamaican international three for him so far. Yeah, I think Romeo Parks has done very well. Um, I think, you know, in, in Sligo, we, we love that exotic signing. You know, we'll, we'll never go for the ordinary when you can go for something out of the blue. And I think, you know, Romeo Parks coming in when he's playing with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds and he's a Jamaican international. And even Dante Leverock, the Bermudan international, came in from Transnarva and Estonia. Like, he's done really well in terms of chipping in with goals as well. But a natural goal scorer... You know, we're a strange club in that we have had that a different uh, part over the past couple of years, but for whatever reason it hasn't worked out that we had Denny Corcoran. These goals are key to keeping us up when Mickey Adams came in as manager. Uh, with Mikey Drennan last year, he started to find his feet and a fine form. And obviously for one reason or another, he didn't end up staying with the club. Uh, with Romeo Parks, I think Romeo will do really well, Carl. I'm not sure if he's a double-digit striker. It's a lot of pressure on him. Ronan Murray, to me, doesn't seem like a happy player yet but you'd be hoping that he will eventually kind of settle into the side. You know, it's a hard ultimate side that's challenging for the Titans of a side that's kind of just, you know, battling to stay stable in the division. And we're not creating enough um, in terms of supplies yet for our strikers. We're, we're scrapping goals and, you know, when any game would score two, it looks like a real bonus. 
I think Parks will do very well. I think Ronan Coughlin will hit the ground one as well. But I think what you're going to see with us, Carl, is, is goals being spread out over a number of five, six players as opposed to being too reliant on one or two. Shamagraw was ran out uh, countable 3 0 winners when these teams met in Tala in March. Were you at that game yourself? I was, and it, it was a, an uncomfortable experience. Um, you know, it's great to see the development in the Tala Stadium. Like, I, I think the work that has been done by Shamagrovers in terms of bending themselves into the community in Tala, the way they built up that club on the ground, I, I don't think it's maybe got enough recognition. But yeah, look, we, we were never in that game. Um, he, the midfield that day was a joy to watch. Jack Byrne, Jack Byrne just really looked a class apart. Um, but you know, behind that, the work that's done by Greg Bulger and Aaron McInniff and enabling Byrne to kind of nearly have that that free role. But also Aaron Green causes a lot of damage. Daniel Carr at the betters are sent to half. Like you know, it's one of those games we just didn't trouble Shamrock Rovers in any way, shape, or form. It was a comfortable train of win. There was little argument in terms of the results. But such is the nature of football, Carl, and I think every football fan gets optimistic. You know, Shamrock Rovers are coming to the showgrounds. There's going to be a big crowd. It's Bank Holiday weekend. We've pulled off that result against Dundalk. These are the sort of games that it's not hard for players to get up for. And I think there's more kind of maybe pressure on Shamrock Rovers going into the game, given the, the kind of recent slipping results. Dundalk are breathing down their neck. So there's less pressure on Rovers to get a result, but that doesn't mean there's not a chance that we can pull one off. As you say there, it's always a big game when the hoops come to town. And does that show in the recent form between the teams at the showgrounds? Two defeats and a scoreless draw in recent seasons? I think, when you put it like that, it's very but the, the effort is the players certainly raised them. We, we just haven't been the team we were in the past few years. And I, I, and I think, Carl, it's been a difficult transitional process for supporters and people involved in the club and going from the Sean Connor, Paul Cook, Ian Barraclough era to where we probably more realistically had to cut our cloth. <laughs> like, if you think of the clashes between two sides in those days, you know, they, they were the top games in the country. And it's hard for supporters. Like, the last couple of games, I, I, I think for Shamrock Rovers, it wasn't the same element of fear uh, coming to the showgrounds. Like, you know, that goal of straw being the best result that we got. But there's, you still got to believe there's a chance. You know, every football fan will, will go out there on that basis. There's a little bit of form. Liam Buckley is a, a more savvy manager than maybe one or two that we've had over the last couple of years and we have had a few and look you go into the game it's one of those games where a, a result is a bonus but maybe not as expected as it will be against other sides I imagine you still follow the fortunes of your managers from those glory days Paul Cook and Ian Barraclough they're now with Wigan yeah. and the Northern Ireland 21s respectively yeah absolutely uh, I, I still stay in touch uh, obviously I was very fortunate uh, that I was working full time for the club as club promotions officer during the Paul Cook and Ian Barraclough time when he was the secretary when we won the league under Ian Barraclough. Uh, I was actually over to, to see Wigan this year. I was over this when they played Leeds, uh, not the one that they won in Mellon Road, not the one that they played in the DW Stadium. Like, but it's it's great to see Paul Cook doing so well. But it's also great to see that Paul Cook still retains a huge interest in the league and indeed in Ireland as well. And. You know, even if you look at his time with Accrington, Chesterfield, of course, um, he's, you know, brought and developed Irish players that he know from the league bringing through. You look at Enda Stevens, like he gave his career a good kickstart there at Portsmouth and Enda Stevens now bought you back with Sheffield United and, you know, going to be a Premier League player. And Ian Barclough, like, I, I'm on record as saying, Carl, I thought his sacking was very harsh. I thought it was a mistake at the time. I, I still feel it wasn't the right thing to do that he was... 
um, our most successful manager in terms of trophies. And he's done really well. Like, he went to Hearts. Okay, it didn't work out, but he did keep them up and he had the playoff win against Rangers. And I think maybe he's found a job that's right for him with Northern Ireland because he's an excellent coach. He prepares for games so well. He'd be excellent in terms of uh, developing players and maybe getting them ready for, for Michael O'Neill's side. And I think it's a credit to him that Michael O'Neill probably was delighted to have Ian on board. Um, but you, you look as well at former managers, John Coleman there at Aquin and Stanley, who's done incredibly well to keep them in League One and limited budget with a former player of our Seamus Keneally as their captain. Like it was last season, Carl, that out of the four divisions in England, two of them were won by former Sligo Rovers managers, with John Coleman winning League Two and Paul Cook winning League One. You know, so like that's a it's a great track record and incentive for maybe even for ourselves and uh, you know just boost the profile at the club. But you have the John Coleman and uh, Jimmy Bell. They support the clubs in terms of fundraisers. Paul Cook continues to, to be a strong supporter and friend of the club as well, as does Ian Barclough. Um, great relationships in special times, but just very hard when, when it goes because you kind of pine for it. I, I'd say maybe Carla could be the same for some Shamrock Overs fans and Michael O'Neill. You know, maybe people didn't realise how good it was until he was gone. And you, you've been involved with the club for over 20 years. You're part of the Sligo's Heritage Group as well. And I believe you're working on an outdoor museum. Yeah, when you come down to the showgrounds on Saturday, at the back of our stands, we've made an effort to kind of more acknowledge and incorporate our history. So you'll see pictures of teams from recent years that have won trophies. But also you're going to see little panels of players and of volunteers and of staff from over the club's um, you know, 90 plus year history. What we're looking to do now is develop an outdoor mu- museum. So we've got funding. So this will be an outdoor kind of museum panel display that will guide uh, people who come to visit the showgrounds through the history of the club, through the different kind of key moments in the history of the club as well. And our long term project would be try and get an indoor museum. Um, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust have put in a new clubhouse and we've got a memorabilia uh, ex- exhibition as part of that. We have a permanent display in the Sligo County Museum as well uh, that we kind of rotate around with different memorabilia from the club. And we've also been able to produce two books, one on the history of the ground, how it started off the agricultural showgrounds, how Gaelic used to be played there, and how eventually it became the home of Sligo Overs. We found a great stat, Carl, you, you love this from your view of history, where uh, Countess Markovic and Eamon de Valera were at a match in the showgrounds. Uh, where Countess Markovich did a throw and it was a game between internees, former internees from Gaelic Infantry, former internees from Sligo and former internees from Dublin. Like, that's great history to have in a ground in a venue and you like this, Carl, the biggest crowd that was ever in the showgrounds, would you think it was for a sporting or non-sporting event? Mm, I suppose sporting. No, non-sporting. An enthusiastical mass in in the 60s that's over 20,000 people I wouldn't have guessed that no no uh, and this is the sort of stuff we find out so we, we're currently we went through a process of taking submissions and supporters and what they'd like to see on these panels for the outdoor museum what people did like to see recognised and we're, we're in the process of kind of putting that together uh, but, but I think you know we, we have a very kind of proud history with the flow and the flag defiantly uh, for football in Northwest for for a number of years, and it's it's great to be able to acknowledge this and just kind of remind maybe younger supporters that we we have history that does uh, predate the kind of Paul Cook era. 
I know you had a spell on the, the PA as well a few times in your day, so I have to ask you an important question. Where do you stand on the word shams? Oh, I, I, I was dreading that you were going to... I was dreading you'd ask me that, Um I know, uh, and I know from my time working with Sly Grovers, that it, it drives Shamrock Rovers officials and supporters mad that we call them shams. Uh, that we, sorry, that we call ourselves shams. It's, it's so... It's so strange, because when I grown up in Sligo, I grew up with Shamrock Rovers being called Sham. You know, even I was aware of the of the Hoops nickname and all that, but to me, they were and always were Shams. But doing the PA, you have to be professional, so I would never refer to Shamrock Rovers as Shams on the PA. Absolutely not. Uh, I used to always think Paul Cook did it very well. He used to just refer to Shamrock Rovers as Shamrock. He never said uh, Shamrock Rovers, but to me, you know, look, I know supporters call it Shams. I know it, it kind of rank, rankles uh, Shamrock Rovers supporters, but not on the PA. It has to be Shamrock Rovers. You have to respect the, the club on its title. But yes, a force of habit, and I am keeping myself in check here. I would not, you know, I would normally refer to yourselves as Shams, and it's just purely because that's the way we, we would have gone up in Sligo, uh, referring to you know, Shamrock Rovers. And one quick question, if you had to pick out one one favourite game between Sligo Rovers and Shamrock Rovers out of all of them you've ever seen, what would you pick? 2010 FEI Cup Final in the Aviva Stadium. Right, actually, I, I, think, I shouldn't have asked yeah, that I, question. No, but I think I think it was a great occasion for Irish football. I think you had two sides at their peak. You had, like Michael and his team that had won the league, you had Paul Cook's Sligo Rovers that was in its full pomp. We'd come third in the league. We were starting to become a common force. And I think it combined for... It was probably one of the most entertaining goalless draws I've ever been at. But just the occasion, you know, with 36,000 people, the first cup final in the Aviva, the drama of the penalty shootout as well. Um, I, I think that was just phenomenal. I think those... Like, I've heard people on different podcasts ask players and things, what means more, winning the league or winning the cup? And, like... I have been involved in a Sligo Rovers team that's won the league, but I think it's the cup memories that you kind of tra- cherish more. You know, I just remember that homecoming, uh, the reaction to the game, um, like the, the whole lot. Like, you, you, I think it was an incredible experience, and it's, I think it's one of those cup finals, Carl, that just always be talked about. Yeah, so that was Keith, and uh, big thanks to him for coming on the show, and not too fond of his choice of match as his favourite game. Uh, Ron Kelly, wasn't it? Long time Sligo fan, he's one of those, you know, real loyal fans of clubs that League of Ireland sides need. Rolls you know, up the sleeves. The lifeblood. Yeah, the lifeblood. And uh, he's a cool guy. We just keep getting these sound League of Ireland fans on, right? If I can keep finding them, I'll find them. I don't think we'll ever find a Bowles one though. No. We couldn't possibly, <laughs> could we? We couldn't. We're on a roll so far. We got Dermot Looney. Dermot Looney, that was, that was knife edge now. And we got Keith Dwyer. That was knife edge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've got you to the one lined up actually. Oh, you yeah? Can, uh, it's not your man Pineapple Stew, is it? No, you can look forward to that now. So, um, yeah, so that's it. And um, we're going to go on to starting 11s and predictions. Okay, so pending injuries, Prof. I'll go first. Uh, Manus, Trev left full, Joey Roy full, Pico and Grace in the middle. We have Bulger holding it down the middle of the park. Uh, Finn, McAniff, Bourne, and who am I missing? Have Star Brando. 
considering there's two assists and then uh, Aaron Green who am I missing out there I'm missing the midfielder no that's everyone Finn Bournemouth because you're missing Cavanagh Finn Bournemouth so you either, yeah. either replace Cavanagh with Watts or, or Brandon Kavanagh. yeah no Watts stays in the bench yeah. for me and Cavanagh is two assists hopefully a third <laughs> and I'm going to go with uh, a 2-1 scrappy 2-1 another mm. scrappy one and then a nice little break for the players with um, we'll go Greener Greener Brace I don't think you're going to have much of a yeah. much of a change there, Prof. No, I think it, I think that's their strongest team at the moment, except for Sean Cavanagh. Yeah, Sean so, Cavanagh's disgusted give, with that loss, I have to say. Disgusted. So given, yeah, given the form of Brando, I can't argue with that starting 11. No, we can't. Uh, although, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I would like to see Ethan Boyle go right back eventually. Really? And Joey go centre-back with Grace. Yeah. Yep. yep. Having said that, Pigo arguably our player of the month for April. Yeah, very much so. If if it comes down to you can pick between him or Chilini O'Brien, one of those two. Chilini O'Brien, yeah. Jeez, now Joey Joey pips it for me. Just yeah, now Joey pips it for me. So that's it. What's your prediction, Prof? Prediction. I'll say I think we're going to get a few goals. Sorry. Oh yes. Three one. Three one for the Prof. And who's your goal scorers? Right, Green's definitely getting one. Jack Byrne and McAniff. And what about Dante Leverock? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Keith mentioned the international flair they have there. It's cool, isn't it? They seem yeah. to score in they've got a, consecutive it, games with each other, I think. They've got a Jamaican and a Bermudan and a Scotsman and all sorts. Which is, seems to be the case for years yeah. now. Yeah. It's like a... Last week I claimed to be a good almond about how I, every time I go to Now you are the almond. Now I <laughs> and look what happened there. And now I'm informing you that I have never seen us win at the showgrounds. Fuck off, will you? Maloney is sitting there gritting his teeth and coursing you. He'd probably dump me out in the M50 or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sligo, the only top flight away ground that Brazzer has never won at because UCD are obviously they've been in the first ring for a few years. So aside from UCD, Sligo is the only ground he hasn't won at yet because. We lost 3-2 in 2016 and then we haven't even scored in our last three visits. We lost 1-0 in 2017 and last year we drew 0-0 and lost 2-0 in that dead rubber I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So 2016 opening day under Nussie. That's the last time we won at the showgrounds and they had two players sent off that day. And uh, that's the last time we won in the showgrounds. Um, Used to to hate Sligo but now it's grown on me. Uh, it's something about it. it's good football town you go into the bars they've got the memorabilia around that it's just I don't know what I think it just I had a couple of bad experiences and <clears throat> when I was staying over there a few times fucking head cases I don't but, like I don't like that away section no it reminds me of Drogheda it is very like Drogheda isn't it you're in the middle of the pitch but it's still not a great view no and there's just barriers everywhere it's it's pitch level and there's barriers and there's anti paint but uh, the burger will I think last time I watched most of it from behind the goal. I might do that again. Uh, uh, like a very my post-esque. My postian. My postian. Um, yeah, so we have a couple of buses, ultras buses going from town. Get in touch with Sean O'Figre. Uh What else is there? There is the Venga bus. John Connolly and Karen Connolly. They are going from half three at the Abo. So get in touch with John or Karen. And uh, they are running the Venga bus from the Abo. Yeah, great I'm, place to to run a bus from, isn't it? The Abo. Yeah, I'm on it myself. 
Kel Kearns and the boys are all on it. So there's a good gang on it. So get in touch if you haven't got a space in the bus left. There's loads of buses going. Uh, expecting a big crowd, Prof, mm. on Saturday. Carl Kearns, whose brother spoke very well on the Greatest League of the he World did. podcast. He did, he was very well. He, he spoke He spoke extremely well. And like I said, we know where the budget went. <laughs> An education in the household. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Carl. Um, uh, 7.45 kick-off, despite what Conor Foley says. Yeah, and his, his, his Sligo fan from Kildare, who very ill-informed. And um, yeah, oh yeah, by the way, there's no pukers allowed on John Connolly's bus. Yeah. So that rules out three quarters of ours, our fan base. So I think there's only 14 travelling. So. <laughs> yeah. so that's it for this week. Um, we'd just like to say that Connor Kern spoke very well on the greatest league in the world. <laughs> and uh, see you in, in the showgrounds. Keep on hoping. See you.